Welcome to Frost Growth Talks, where we'll engage in hard-hitting, clear-cut conversations designed to move you forward on your journey towards profitable growth. Welcome to Frost Growth Talks. My name is Shahad Amanullah, Global Vice President for Customer Experience, and I'm joined by my colleague Vivek Vaidya, Associate Partner at Frost & Sullivan. We'll be your hosts for today's Frost Growth Talk. Frost Growth Talks are designed to be hard-hitting, digestible assets to progress you on your quest for profitable growth. Today, we're joined by Mandali Khadisi, the Vice President of Automated Driving and Head of Automated Driving Strategy and Mapping at Woven Planet Holdings, a subsidiary of Toyota Motor Corporation that aims to achieve zero casualties and provide mobility for all. Mr. Khaleesi is also concurrently the Global Head of Automated Driving Mobility Innovation and the Project General Manager of Automated Driving and Advanced Safety System Management Division at Advanced R&D and Engineering Company of Toyota Mortar Corporation. Mr. Khaleesi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's great to be on the show. So let's just go ahead and start with the market strategy for Woven Planet. Um, there's some traditional growth trajectories that most companies in the space have adopted, but it looks like Woven Planet has chosen a pretty unique path. Can you explain the thought process behind this? How did you think of this idea? Right. I think so Woven Planet was set up uh, to um, meet the vision of mobility for all that was set out by uh, Toyota's president, Akio Toyota, a couple of years ago. And so we looked at, you know, what are the key innovations that we need to drive in the market to really reach a mobility for all state? And uh, in the early days, we had the um, our first vehicle that we were building uh, in pre-production and now known as the um, LS, the Lexus LS, that we launched uh, quite recently in the market. And we had to build the systems for those first. So how do we build that autonomy stack within essentially a period of two to three years uh, after starting the company? That was our main first focus. We could actually achieve that. But once we reached that point, we realized that there was so much more than building specific systems for specific vehicle programs. And we started to think about platforms, about software platforms, about going beyond the traditional vehicle manufacturer mindset. And so we started thinking about what then became Woven City. We started thinking about concepts such as Arene to abstract the hardware layer and make it easy for applications to be developed. And then we thought about AMP, which is trying to make location and HD maps really easily available. So then we, we started creating these new products around these ideas. And we decided, well, why don't we offer these to the entire industry and not only to uh, Toyota? So Woven Planet has a very, um, I would say, very specific um, mission, which is mobility for all, you know, safety to love, um, uh, mobility to love, safety to live. Um, but at the same time, we want to give this to the entire industry. So it's a, it's a very new uh, vision, I think, that, um, uh, that, that, we're, that we're proposing. Yeah. That's really so, interesting because, oh, sorry. Um, go ahead. Yeah, so Mr. Bandali, I think uh, the industry world over is struggling uh, with finding the right business model for connected cars. I think collecting data is easy, but monetizing it is difficult. So as I understand, uh, the entire AMP concept uh, will actually make the best use of data and uh, probably uh, put it in a way that everyone can use and probably that may be the ultimate solution for monetization of data. So would you say that you have found a perfect answer to the solution? Is is this solution replicable or is it a Toyota specific solution? 
Yeah, I think uh, you know there's been a lot talked about. You know, data is the new oil, which is uh, which is a great metaphor. Uh, but if you think about where the oil sits uh, versus you know where it needs to be used, there's this really big value chain that sits in the middle. So data by itself doesn't actually drive um, you know revenue or monetization. It's it's actually a cost driver uh, in the in the early instance. So you have to build all these um, uh, all these value chain uh, pieces or players in order to really get to the, to the end product. So in the case of AMP, you know, if you look at um, you know, raw telemetry, you know, there's you know, um, privacy issues within that, and so you want to anonymize that, first of all. Then you have all this telemetry. What are you going to do with it? Um, you have connectivity issues. So every vehicle does not have an all-you-can-eat connectivity mechanism. It's typically budgeted over the entire fleet. So how do you really make smart use of that data and only use the data that is really necessary for driving the value, so in this case, HT maps. So, if you really want to drive an HT map, do you really need the same uh, road over and over again, hundreds and two hundreds of times, when you actually have enough data? No, you need to cut down on that. So, there's all these elements that kind of come in place between the raw data that you could be collecting versus the end product, such as an HT map, uh, which needs to be uh, fitting into the bill of materials for the car at the end. Um, I think. Automakers are very good at building great vehicles, but they have to sell because you don't. If, if the end user can't buy them and doesn't want to buy them, then you know that that whole process was useless. So, really thinking about how do you you know minimize the cost and maximize that value is really the the, the key to to unlocking any kind of value from from raw materials. And so, from for AMP perspective, we're looking at gathering as much data as we can, but really making it smart so that the end user. Um, can really, in this case, the OEM, you know, can put it in a vehicle that can sell uh, to any uh, to any car buyer um, uh, that that would be out there. And you, men you mentioned the business model. I think we haven't found the right answer. I think the traditional automotive business model um, for things like maps or, or other components is very much a license-driven model. So you know, X dollars per you know vehicle, and then you kind of uh, you know multiply over the the the, the numbers in the vehicle fleet. Um, but in addition, I think you're also seeing the, the, the apparition of, 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 of software as a service, like subscription services. So we're also thinking about, you know, how can we do like monthly or yearly kind of subscription services to something that you could easily onboard. Um, typically in the automotive space, you know, there's this big hurdle that, you know, everything needs to be perfect for that vehicle program and then it needs to be integrated. Well, why not have application developers like they do for AWS or Azure or any other kind of you know cloud service, you know, really just kind of try out uh, different services for their vehicles, and if they like it, then they move into the integration stage. So really, kind of lowering the barrier for integrating new innovations into the car, I think, is is going to be a key um, a key challenge, uh, but also a key opportunity for the industry. Fantastic. So following up on that, I mean, this is a pretty drastic change. A lot of uh, manufacturers are doing their own applications and this is, you're basically creating a platform um, that can be accessible by a lot of different people. So, so that shift um, represents, you know, obviously a change in business model, as you've mentioned. What are the immediate growth opportunities for this venture in terms of like, where do you see early adoption? And then a follow-up to that is what, what revenue expectations do you have in, in the near term as well as the long term? Right. Uh, I think um, we've seen the uh, the peak of you know inflated expectations for automated driving that uh, you know that happened a couple of years ago, and then we had you know the Uber incident, uh, and then I think generally with COVID, I think uh, the industry and I think more generally we've realized it's actually much more difficult 
to create a reliable, sustainable automated driving vehicle than was originally uh, than was originally expected. And so I think a lot of the industry is now focused on, you know, so what can we actually enable you know, in the near term? Um, what we're seeing and some of the announcements that we've made recently with Isuzu as well as with Hino and in addition with Mitsubishi Fuso is looking at the commercial vehicle segment. And so we believe the commercial vehicle segment, uh, you know, you could think of it as trucks, uh, but also buses. Um, this is one segment that I think is an early adopter uh, that is a B2B play that can look at, you know, how we can introduce innovations quickly that can actually benefit uh, the, the industry and the economy. If you think of COVID, um, we're pretty much stuck in our houses and now for much of the time. And even if you were coming out of that with uh, potential vaccinations, et cetera, um, it's not guaranteed that everything will go back to normal. And I don't believe there is going back to normal. It's the new normal. So what is the new normal? New normal, we've seen an, a surge in um, you know, e-commerce. We've seen a surge in deliveries to the home. And that means someone actually has to physically deliver those packages. So who delivers those packages? Well, they're delivered not by drone quite yet, but they're delivered by trucks, small trucks, uh, typically to your home, whether it's food deliveries or package deliveries, et cetera. And then from the hub to the hub, we have long haul deliveries. So, so really we, we've seen that our economy has shifted uh, for the high street coming to your home. And then in that case, you know, there is an increased pressure on the commercial vehicle segment to support that with all the logistics that comes together with that. And the short and the short uh, the, the 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 last mile, you know, you might not be at home. So then the package gets delivered to you, and then it gets taken back and it's delivered again. So these, um, you know, I would say the light duty trucks uh, delivery to the last mile and to the home, they have to be very nimble over typically a, a restricted area. But they really need to be able to be flexible about how to deliver packages to that area. For the long haul, you know, these are typically more standard routes, but you know, they have very very strict. Uh, you know, times to get from A to B because the whole rest of the value chain depends on them. And so is there, you know, instead of, you know, just trying to focus on the kind of level five dream, which is interesting from a research perspective, why not actually offer the benefit to the industry that needs it right now? That means like you and me, we're waiting for our packages. Why not automate part of that so we can reduce, relieve the burden on the driver and actually help, um, you know, mitigate some of the risk associated with this, you know, increasing stress on the logistics industry. Uh, so any new solution that we try to design, say automated vehicle or even the new form of delivery, uh, definitely requires an ecosystem play. It's, it's not something that you can do by yourself. And unless you have a strong value chain, a strong ecosystem, it's unlikely to succeed. So... Uh, what kind of ecosystem or value chain or partnerships you are planning to have uh, with some car manufacturers, some other organizations? So what's the ecosystem play here? Right. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, you know, Woven um, Planet is you know, part of the Toyota group. So um, we want to make you know, full use of the um, you know, Toyota group of families uh, that can help us, uh, whether it's you know, from Denso to Toyota Research Institute. Uh, you know, really kind of leverage the potential within within the group um, to to leverage um, to leverage you know knowledge, expertise, and also you know technologies that are already in the group. But then once we go beyond that, uh, we actually want to make this available uh, beyond the Toyota group. So um, we've been very active uh, to looking outside of the Toyota group. So for example, the announcement we made with Mitsubishi Fuso is part of the Daimler group. Um, you know, it's a good example of the industry looking outside of the typical traditional silos and saying maybe there's, you know, areas where we can work together, collaborate. 
And if you if you think about it from a vehicle manufacturing perspective, this is actually not really new. Right? There's a lot of vehicle manufacturing, you know, cross-platform collaborations across the industry, and it has been for a long time. And these are all driven by the the, the need to reduce costs so that the end user, uh, you know, can actually buy a car that has some cool features at a reasonable price and that's reliable. And so I think, you know, we're seeing the same, you know, now software, we're saying software is eating the world. I read an article, software is eating the car. And it's the same thing, right? It's now it's shifted, the, the attention has shifted to software. So how can we leverage, you know, software um, as a platform? And so if we're able to garner, you know, um, if we're able to make our services attractive uh, to various types of OEMs, then we'll be able to not only, um, you know, leverage their data uh, and provide them with a better service, but also it really amortizes the cost of, of, of running this across the entire industry globally. And then beyond that, then we need to attack uh, the developers. I mean, the developers is really the community that is going to help drive adoption. So you can have all the OEMs in the world, you know, uh, you like. Um, developers are those who are going to give credence to uh, that software platform, those software services, because they're going to be building for the industry. And that's another thing that I see that's going to change in the next five to 10 years is the traditional kind of tiered pyramid model uh, that's been quite traditional in the automotive industry. What we'd like to do is leverage all the application developers out there in, in the software industry to easily build software applications for the automated, uh, you know, automated driving in the automotive industry. And I think that relationship there has been stimulated by the lack of uh, availability of services, lack of availability of tools. So I think whether it's Arene or, or AMP, you know, we're really trying to make that easy for everyone uh, to address so that the automotive industry can make it really easy to build new innovations. Because the automotive industry needs a lot of help, right? They can't do it themselves. I think it's really this tiered approach, you know, for us, it's a Toyota group, reaching out to other OEMs, uh, and then uh, making services attractive to developers to really help, um, you know, accelerate that innovation loop. So this is a competitive landscape that frankly has, has only existed for 15 years. I remember when the DARPA challenge came out um, 15 years ago, and, and that was the first time I'd heard of an attempt to create uh, this kind of mobility. And since then, you've had multiple players either doing their own single stack, like like Tesla, you've, you, you've had Google's uh, efforts. Um, but that competitive landscape seems to be just changing every day. So what would you say, or who would you say are your current and future competitors? Are they map companies or manufacturers or, 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 or some other companies that we don't know about? What do you see on the horizon? Yeah, well, specifically talking about AMP, I think, you know, you could easily think that, you know, map companies uh, would be uh, our competitors, but I think it's kind of the, the reverse. I think everyone in the industry is looking for partnerships and collaboration today. I think if we're able to provide services actually valuable for, for other mapping companies, I think that's, you know, they can be partners as well. And so I think the, the, the ecosystem from a mapping perspective is shifting because we don't know, you know, what is going to be the next, um, you know, what, what is really going to be the need from the automated driving industry. And I think we have to think back for that's, that's our core use case we're trying to build against. It's not we're just trying to build a product. We're trying to build a product for autonomy. Uh, I think one of the one of the reasons you're not seeing a consolidation is because as an industry, we don't really know what are the right uh, use cases that are going to be profitable at scale in the future. But I think you're seeing, you know, early signs, for example, in the commercial vehicle segment, coming back to my point, and these are, you know, uh, industries that are need that have an immediate need right now that we can solve. And so let's build towards that. So that is a set of services that we can provide. Passenger vehicles is another one. Mobility as a service, you know, robotaxis is another one. So um, my guess is you're probably going to see an evolution um, into a 
kind of multipolar uh, use case world where we have a number of different areas, uh, different domains that are quite specific, quite characteristic, and we'll start to see applications and solutions being built specifically to those and have the industry start to uh, congregate around that. So then the question is, you know, will we have dominant platforms that are able to support those needs? I think there's an argument for that. Um, you know, we should have standardized, um, you know, map platforms or other platforms can provide an infrastructure for all the innovation to happen uh, above that. Um, but I think, you know, you're going to see a continued consolidation as we tr continue to find out like what users really want. And I think unless you actually deliver a product, you know, you won't get that answer. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg. Um, but I think the benefit of that is there's going to be a lot of experimentation, which means a lot of innovation, a lot of opportunities for developers to, you know, help the industry uh, move forward. So I think it's, it's more having a focus on, uh, you know, how can we drive that innovation and then drive usage and then have that feedback to then give us uh, to build better products for users. I think without data, you know, we can't do that. So the industry is, I think, is a little bit, um, uh, I think, is, is trying to find its way. Um, and so as we see the release of, of more of these uh, specific automated driving use cases, whether it's commercial or robotaxi or, or passenger, I think you're going to see more feedback coming back and, and, and actually being able to create a better product. So when you say, I mean, it's been only 15 years, you know, we've had truck platooning you know, on the highways, uh, I think, you know, for probably, you know, two decades now in, in research. So I think, you know, the question is, as you move to, to, to production and to, and to usage, you know, how do you get that? You know, feedback loop coming so that we can have the innovation. I think that's really what we're missing now. Um, so, if we don't know the answer, first let's build good tools in order to deliver reliable services. Nothing that's what we're going to focus on. So, Mr. Mandali, you mentioned about uh, developers coming together and developing uh, softwares and programs and apps for you, which is not heard of. You spoke about automating the last mile delivery, which again is uh, a slightly new solution. So. Woven Planet's growth story is quite clear. But what are the challenges and uncertainties that you are looking at? And are you looking at any milestones to define whether you are on the right track? What are the road signs you see on this path? We do have a number of challenges um, you know, in the industry. One, one as I mentioned, is uh, you know, not having this clear, perfectly drawn out you know, roadmap forward um, does uh, lead to you know, a lot of experimentation, which again, I don't think is, is a bad thing. Um, the other thing is obviously having um, useful, um, um, you know, stories to, to attract talent. I think talent is, the war on talent hasn't stopped. If, if anything, it's, um, it's, it's getting worse uh, because now not only the software industry, but also the automotive industry is looking for essentially a similar uh, type of talent. Um, so how do we um, really garner, you know, talent um, for, for our needs? Um, but it is also an opportunity. So uh, we're also seeing that there are many people that we're able to access globally. Uh, and, you know, having Woven Planet as a more global um, operation is also going to help us to attract that talent. And so until now, you know, being based in Tokyo uh, and in the COVID situation has really been, you know, a bit of a challenge for us, um, you know, to, to attract the best talent, you know, with all the restrictions that, that have been in place. I think that's driven, for example, my team to really disperse ourselves more globally and to change the way we work and, and to, uh, to have less of the you know, physical face-to-face -face necessarily, even if we're going back to the office, um, but actually have more of a distributed, more an asynchronous communication across different time zones. I mean, we're in Europe now and in Asia Pacific and then North America. You know, how can we you know, create that culture, that 24-7 development culture, and then be automated increasingly? I think 
you know, uh, changing the way we work in order to make it easier for, for people to join, I think is another challenge that we're working on. So changing our way of working, way of thinking is, is going to be key. And I think it's not just us. I think, you know, the whole industry, I think in Japan was recently, you know, announced uh, that the government is thinking about introducing a four day week to increase productivity. And so I think, you know, one of the challenges for the, for, for our industry is to kind of rethink the way we work, because unless we do that, you know, it's going to be very difficult to, to really generate that productivity and the innovation you're looking for. So uh, we're kind of at the forefront of that. Uh, but, you know, what will, what will really work, I think, is, is yet to be seen. So you've laid out a pretty clear and compelling vision uh, and a roadmap uh, for, uh, for not just your company, but for the entire space. Um, so in order to get there, what are going to be the key focus areas for you in terms of re achieving those goals? At the different CESs we've had recently that, uh, you know, Wuban City is going to be one of the big focuses for us. So I didn't talk too much about it today, but Wuban City is definitely um, one of our, uh, one of the explorations we're looking at, you know, how will people live in a automated mobility society? You know, what does that actually look like from, you know, buildings to, you know, how we interact to how we, uh, how we work with robots, uh, how robots are going to help in our daily life, uh, both visibly and, and, and behind the scenes. And so Wuven City is definitely one of those um, key focus areas for us. And as you know, we've started, um, you know, work on that as well. Um, in addition, uh, you know, Irene, that I haven't, again, spoken that much about, is, again, a big, big focus for us as we move to a software-first um, approach for the whole of uh, the Toyota group. You know, how do we really enable a software-first mindset when you have a, a very efficient, um, you know, um, they have very efficient machinery of, you know, Toyota Motor Corporation in terms of vehicle manufacturing. Now, how do you bring uh, that, you know, uh, that innovation into, uh, into the vehicle space as we've seen with some other players? So that's going to be definitely another focus for us. Um, but in, the, in the short term, I think AMP, uh, as it has a quite limited domain, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's mapping, right? It's localization, it's helping the vehicle position itself for planning, for perception. And I think, you know, this is a short-term focus area for us because we believe this is one of the key enablers. And if we're able to pull this off, then we're able to, you know, um, start the ball rolling in terms of larger and larger integration. So we have a kind of, um, I guess, a spaced rollout at Wuven Planet. We have Wuven City, which is the, you know, the, the big, the big, the amazing dream of, you know, the entire integration of the city and people, robots, you know, and machines. And then we have Irene, which is looking at, you know, helping abstract out the hardware, helping applications come into the vehicle, helping software first. And then we have AMP, which is really looking at one of these fundamental things that are, where, where am I? What are the decisions I need to be making right now to be safe, which is what AMP is about. So really kind of having that um, step, stepwise approach, I think is, uh, is, is one way to uh, learn along the way uh, and deliver value at each point um, to, to make progress for the industry. So smart city right at the top, uh, which is Wuven City, then Irene, uh, which is software first, and then comes AMP. I think you have laid out your vision perfectly, and we wish, wish you luck for that. Now, one of the most important objectives for Frost Growth Talks is also to inspire innovation. So uh, now that you are at the forefront of cutting-edge innovations, you are doing something which others haven't really thought of. What would be your uh, recommendations or suggestions for innovators all around the world uh, who, who are also looking to have something cutting-edge solution, cutting-edge technology? So what would be your message for them? Uh, yeah, I, I have two messages. Uh, one is uh, prototype uh, quickly, um, deliver 
quickly and uh, start testing on real vehicles. Uh, I think that's something that uh, really helped us in the early days. Um, so when I joined um, Toyota, uh, I don't know if I should be saying this, but um, when I joined Toyota um, back in 2018, uh, there was this debate about you know whether we should be having uh, X set of attributes versus Y set of attributes, and there's this big you know scenario planning exercise to be ongoing. And you know it was essentially going around in a circle. You know, some people thought A, some people thought B. And in, in reality, it didn't really matter because we weren't actually doing real testing. So when I came in, I said, look, let's just build based on you know this set of assumptions, this set of small assumptions. They take a set of you know three or four attributes. Let's take traffic signs, lane markings, um, you know, road boundaries, and poles. Let's just focus on that. If we can extract those from the camera and then you know create a map just based on that will be successful. But then let's test it on a car, on an actual automated driving car to make sure that it can actually use it uh, and make sure that it's it's a useful development, right? So it's not just a an idea project, a research project. And so we did that. And within uh, literally eight months, uh, we had four engineers. Um, obviously, I didn't really, don't really know how they did it. Um, but in the end, they, they managed to break through that uh, and, and have this, this breakthrough that we could actually create with essentially commodity cameras an HD map that was actually useful for a real car, and we drove it through, um, you know, um, central Tokyo daytime traffic, right? Uh, and you know that was that was a validation point. So that, that so for, for my first suggestion would be really kind of focus on a very very small set uh, of 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 uh, a very small problem, and just really kind of deliver on that quickly and put it in the car and see if it works. And that is really the cycle that will provide you feedback whether you're completely out of step, you know, you're completely down the wrong track. Uh, or if you're uh, if you're on if you're onto something, so that's my first thing. Um, the second thing is partner. Um, if there's an area you're unfamiliar with or you really are not sure how to how to go about doing that, just partner. Just reach out to other companies in the space that have done that before. Um, you know, we we did that a number of times in in, in the early years. You know, worked on areas that we we weren't uh, familiar with, and we just partnered and we just you know built proof of concepts together and we learned together, uh, and then down the road. You know, we ended up uh, in some cases, you know, building it ourselves because we we believe there are some limitations in the technology we didn't want to to hold on to. And in other areas, we just realized that we were just completely out of our depth, and that's not something we wanted to build in house. So, so my second suggestion would be, um, don't try to do everything yourself. You know, do reach out with two partners, uh, and the industry is very collaborative these days. As I said, uh, it's very much a, a, an age of experimentation. Uh, in automated driving, both from a user end perspective as well as from a technology perspective, so everyone is really uh, looking for better ways to collaborate. So you know, don't be shy, uh, partner, partner with others, uh, and that will get you again a step further on your validation. Will give you some more data, and I think you know, really cycling that, you know, partnering as well as rapid prototyping, which I think uh, is is quite typical in in the software industry, uh, and in replicating that into the automotive space as well. Um, is I think you know two of the things that I would just recommend innovators look at right now, and uh, and and yeah you know good luck. But whatever you learn, that will take you to the next stage. So so you know keep keep persevering. There's um, th there's always that golden nugget um, in whatever in whatever you're doing. At least that's what we found. So it's my fantastic. Honest. I think rapid prototyping and uh, partnerships two key mantras from Mr. Mandali. Thank you very much. So, you know, first of all, it's just it's really refreshing to see that even in a space with an incredible amount of innovation and an incredible amount of investment, that someone is actually pushing us forward to the promise of automated driving. I feel like it's always been just beyond our reach. And it, it really takes someone to put the put the logical pieces together like you're doing to make it happen. And I'm really excited to see you do that. 
And on behalf of all the growth professionals at Frost & Sullivan, I'd like to thank our guest, Mandala Khaleesi, for joining us to share his journey. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Frost Growth Talks is a production of Frost & Sullivan. For 60 years, Frost & Sullivan has been applying actionable insights to create a stream of innovation, innovative growth opportunities for companies, governments, and investors. Visit us online at frost.com to learn more. For Frost Growth Talks, I'm Shahad Manala, my colleague Vivek Vaidya. See you next time. We're always on the lookout for individuals who are having a positive influence on society and our world. If you're someone who would relish the opportunity to share your experience or know someone you would like to nominate, reach out to us at frost.com slash GT nomination or spread the word with hashtag Frost Growth Talks. Until next time, keep growing.